Hello. Hello. How's it going? It's going. How you how how are you? Happy happy uh 2023. Um as people say, but yeah. you know, despite the fact that it's not all that happy. Um it's not. I mean, I guess could vary I from person to person. I, I, uh, between our um, exodus from the bad website to the less bad website, and just being extremely busy and tired all the time, um, the majority of my days end with Amanda going, "Oh my god, did you see this thing?" And it's like I absolutely did not see this thing. I have no, I have no conception of whether or not the <laughs> things, the things occurring around me are good or bad. Uh, yeah. Well, it, it happens too. J- Jason's like, uh, "Oh, I guess you didn't see about the, you didn't see that on your fake Twitter." And I'm like, "Yeah, well, you know what? <laughs> oh, how <laughs> my, dare he? My life is not substantially worse from having missed whatever it was that was a catastrophe." <laughs> you, I would be so tempted to be like, "Oh yeah, I still have more followers than you." So, <laughs> uh, oh, that's how dare he? Um, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Ah. Uh, <sighs> But, how's your uh, how's your how's your weather? Has the rain subsided? Uh, it, Is it still forty days of cats and dogs or whatever the Bible says over there? Yeah, working on my ark. Um, no, the um, it's a uh, little late for the ark now, isn't it? Well, you know, every ark starts with the trip to Home Depot to get a caulking gun and silicon caulk, and then you uh, try to caulk around the windows on the outside of the garage because maybe that that's where the water is getting in. But anyway. Um. Yeah, the arcs. The arcs good. Arcs. Arcs fine. Mm. Arc had a little water, but uh, arc. <laughs> arc. Arc will keep on arcing. I got a. I got a. I got a. Where's the eyeball button? It's not showing up for me. I got to turn off this. This gif you posted of Batista flexing his chest. It's very disturbing. <laughs> I'll scroll away for a minute. It's funny in the movie, but watching it just sort of loop is <laughs> it's very disturbing. It's unnerving. <laughs> just watch it on repeat. It's like I'm watching a like a steak convulse. Um, I yeah. You I, think that's what his Twitch stream was like, basically? I mean, we saw part of what his his stream was like. Uh, oh where, yeah, he's, he's uh, I thought he had like a weird little fanny pack thing going on, but he just had like uh, those like '80s shorts on top of like some some compression shorts. I guess I don't know. That's a interesting look. A look, yeah, um, yeah. So uh, glass onion, uh, kind of fitting that we talk about it uh, again um, because we talked about again. knives. Well, we talked about Knives Out, so this is a sequel. So we're we are sort of oh, a, yeah, we're we're not breaking our rule about uh whatever whatever our rule is. The we should watch things in chronological order. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, what a, what a what an amazing yeah. rule. Um, but the 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 we we uh it was like the last movie. I, well, it was not like it was the last movie that I saw in a movie theater uh before the pandemic, and mm. um, it is not a movie that I chose to see in the movie theater uh because i was pressed for time in one week like what are you what are you talking about guys um so yeah is there a definitive story on why they did that is that just for award season or are they just being kind of cheeky uh because it's netflix um netflix doesn't release their movies in movie theaters except for a few things in order to qualify for uh awards like you said or just for general marketing buzz but one week is um dumb um i thought i thought uh, i listened to uh, a handful of podcasts with ryan johnson before i had seen the movie uh because i'm uh you know my life is upside down but i think he said it was going to come back to uh, the theaters at some point i mean it could 
after they had all of their uh whatever subscription uh conversion stuff that it's supposed to be doing right i mean who could say i mean it might come back for like a special release thing but you know there's a lot of people who are like uh really upset for ryan and complaining like oh how dare netflix do this to him and it's like um ryan knew when ryan was going to sell the sequels to netflix that it was netflix like he's not in a disadvantaged position like they didn't like sneak up on him with their their streaming plan um this is just how things go so you know i'm sorry you didn't see it in movie theaters i'm sorry i didn't see it in movie theaters but like it's just you, you can't um when you sell for lots and lots of money to netflix are are you are you sad you didn't get to see it in theaters? I think it would have been interesting. Uh, however, having said that, it's kind of long. Um, and uh, to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you, I think it actually suffers from having a little too much money in a way. Um, from too much money, you say? Yeah, I mean, there's some stuff that looks cheap, but it looks there's a lot of stuff that's very expensive. Uh, and it's just like, well. Uh, is it the yacht what's the expensive part <laughs> no I, I mean well there's a lot of location shoots there's uh just like big sets big actors big everything like it, it's bigger than the first film um that's for sure yeah. i mean the house is on a hill so it also seems larger but yeah mm-hmm. yeah i'm sure it floods too um so i mean glass onion i mean god bless trying to clean up that uh after a rainstorm but the yeah it's it's just you a, imagine the windex bill to get the white water spots <laughs> off now fortunately it's all cg so uh it's a little easier to clean um but the you know the i, I feel like i didn't i didn't 100 super mega love it i liked it but mm. it didn't like it didn't like uh it didn't tickle your loving it bone no not like the first one did <laughs> no, oh really like less than the first one yeah yeah i mean i still like i said i liked it so i am not disliking it but uh to use the the uh the rating system uh that you find on letterboxd uh it is 3.5 out of 5 stars uh in my book I gave it a four hmm. on the letterbox that oh. I don't use often. Generous. Um, well, I mean, I have I have my own system, uh, <laughs> which I'm not going to explain. I'm sure I've explained it before. It doesn't really, uh, it doesn't really make any sense for other people. That, that means it's a good movie. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just one point off for not being uh, one of the directors that you like. So, yeah. Oh no, no. I mean, it's not going to get a five. Uh, mm-hmm. unless it grew up uh with me like deeply embedded in my soul um that's just not gonna happen uh it could or- it could earn a four point five probably at at its highest uh if it's if it's like a, a great great modern movie uh what are your fives then my fives are movies that uh are both very good movies and movies that are uh deeply personal to me no, but like literally, name a five. Oh, what are they? I don't yeah. know. I mean, you're asking me to remember something? Hang on. I can go look at my friggin' letterbox. This is probably like Die Hard uh, profile. Let's see. Uh, how do I? How do I? Reviews. No. Diary. No. How do I? <laughs> God, this is like harder than you would think. <laughs> Where is it? Okay. Uh, sort by. Uh, Highest first done. Uh, okay, I've given The Godfather five stars, one and two. 
Uh, Shawshank Redemption, that's not right. Goodfellas. Hmm. Wait, this is not sorted properly. Why are these a bunch of unrated things? Pulp Fiction. What? Uh, who's, who, who's am I looking at here? Grand Budapest, five stars? Okay, so apparently I'm, I'm misinformed about my own rating system. <laughs> Who? No, no, this is not. This is not me. I didn't give you Jimbo five stars, did I? Terminator Two five stars. I would agree with that. Sango Unchained. What? No. What? What? Raging wow. Bull four and a half stars. I haven't even seen Raging Bull, have I? I mean, I don't know. We've never talked about it. But am I logged in as somebody else? <laughs> Is it like, account? <laughs> my 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 favorites or whatever at the top of my you, know, you can pin your four movies. I got Social Network Out of Sight, Blues Brothers, and Bull Durham. I, I'm sure that I probably rated all of those five stars. Mm-hmm. I mean these are just I don't know what uh it, yeah, it doesn't it, matter. No, it doesn't really matter. Um I just thought but it I was I enjoyed the knives out. I thought this one was uh fun and playful. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. it lacked a certain sort of I mean it, it lacked that um the old world sophistication vibe of the first one. This one was much more uh, modern, which may have potentially made it feel like a cheaper version of it or something, but I thought it was still just as fun and still plenty clever and uh, subverted my, uh, well, my very surface level expectations because I came into this as I do with most things um, with about a third of the brain power uh, that I normally have. Which is not much, as you're aware, people who mm-hmm. listen to the show. Just take just take how dumb I normally am and then take away sixty percent of that. <laughs> what do you attribute that uh sixty percent loss to? Uh exhaustion mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and lack of sleep, mm-hmm. which are not the same thing. Uh do do not muddle exhaustion and lack of sleep. They they, they are two different things. Two two great tastes that taste terrible together. Oh. Well, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I mean I saw it um twice now uh, i've seen it twice and i you know i i think i liked it i l- liked it about the same both times i wasn't sure if i would dislike it more the second time or like it more the second time but it wound up being on par which is i guess an accomplishment because you know it is a mystery I mean, already after knowing all. the the twist or whatever ahead of time right yeah so you would assume that ordinarily when you know the twist that it's not worth watching again but because I have a podcast, I have a reason to watch it again. And <laughs> well, I feel like if, if there's a twist the second time, like your second watching of Fight Club, you're going to be watching all of the clues that you missed the first time. Somewhere around three or four, when you've seen all the clues a couple of times, you're probably going to lose a dramatic amount of uh, interest. But what do I know? Yeah. And so this time it was all about the little clues. Um, and they are little uh, because Ryan chose to go away of playing a little... Um, tight-lipped with his clues, I guess, um, because of the structure of this. So you have that sort of timeline thing of uh, there are things there that are supposed to be for this other thing, but it's not something where you could figure it out from just watching those things in the movie. You might have a hunch or a guess that is informed by some little bits, but you wouldn't have cracked the case. Um, from you're talking about like uh, the opening scene where he's on the the big conference call with his scientists and they're all arguing about like whether or not he's a genius or not, uh, and we don't really like that's a callback later to to the thing at the end. Yeah, the fuel. Um, and you also don't know like that's Helen breaking the box. You don't know that's 
yeah. uh, when they're talking about the pancaking, um, that you, that doesn't really register the first time you're watching the film. Right. Um, there's the stuff with pineapple where you don't register that comment, uh, stuff like that where. But those f- are all fun little tasty treat satisfying moments that you go like, ah, they tied, they tied all of these pieces together and they didn't necessarily have to, uh, but it's, 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 it's all wrapped up in a nice little bow. Yeah. Although it's a little too nice of a bow because when you're showing a flashback to the thing to remind us about his pineapple allergy, when you're mm-hmm. like doing those things to tie things together, then it's a little, come on guys, you know? Um, because I would not have made the connection to the, uh, pancaked outside Anderson Cooper's party, the pineapple, um, I missed the first time. I will attribute that to again brain power, but uh that that one I agree you probably wouldn't need to revisit necessarily, but um I yeah, I don't know. I it feels it feels like one of those things that you're unsure of as a filmmaker whether or not people are going to remember it well enough that you, you know, you you put it back in there a second time. And it it was, you know, innocent enough to show it again real quick. Not like we had to rewatch an extensive scene. No, but it did kind of drag for me when I was watching it again and you get to the part where uh helen is shot and then we cut to uh helen helen's story of her being introduced um because there's a protracted part of the middle of this movie that is a prequel to this movie um right the extended backstory once you know uh alpha and andy and uh uh ed norton and his magnolia gear um you don't really need to see that a second time no and and so I've never of, seen Magnolia, by the way, but when he showed up in that outfit, I laughed out loud. <laughs> it was it was quite a quite an outfit. I did I, I did enjoy that both times I watched it. But uh, the the costuming in this movie is very good, um, as it was in the first one. And didn't uh, didn't it just win a Golden Globe, whatever that's worth, for wardrobe? Eh, sure. Um, I don't really. Uh, use the Golden Globes as a metric for anything. Do Golden Globes? No, 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 no. You can buy your way into the Golden Globes. Um, so and not, not an accusation that they did in this case, but uh, it is uh, not a prestigious award show in my <laughs> we eye. Are not attorneys, do yeah. not sue us. Yeah. Um, please, Mr. Golden Globes, don't sue us. Uh, no, the uh, the 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 cast is good. Um, I didn't love Edward Norton initially. To be perfectly honest with you. When he's an irate little baby at the end of the movie, though, that's when he won me over uh, because mm. he was able to do that very well. But I didn't feel like he struck the appropriate energy for Zuckerberg or Dorsey or uh, Elon Musk, who is, you know, obviously templated on. Um, it, it kind of was sort of just a little too hippie-ish instead of being like a tightly mm. wound weirdo. Um, yeah is it be well i don't know i i i'm almost i'm inclined to humor them for a moment and say do you think that's on purpose because he's actually a fraud he's not a real silicon valley weirdo he's like a uh, like a come along weirdo because it's all andy's uh doing well i think ryan's commentary here is that many of these people in silicon valley are actually you know dumb weirdos dumb weirdos um and so I think that's generally the message that he's going after here. Uh, I don't. Oh, yeah, the the you're not you're not a genius. You're just rich. Thing is definitely it's yeah yeah. And but, I mean that's not like news or anything. Like he's not he's not going out on a limb saying that kind of thing. No breaking. Um. No, it is a and it is also very funnily enough timed with Elon Musk buying Twitter and that whole 
mess um, happening, um, coinciding along with the launch of this film, uh, was just kind of a, a interesting coincidence. But it'd be funny if he actually bet all of his financial stake on Twitter, uh, and it and it it blew up in a metaphorical hydrogen explosion. Spoiler alert. Yeah, well, I mean, come on. If anybody's listening to this and you haven't watched the movie, um, stop. Don't. (laughs) (laughs) Like, when we talk about a bad movie, uh, and we say that the movie was bad, and we're starting the episode going, ugh, that's when you don't have to watch it. But when we talk about a movie where we both said we liked it, and Dan says four stars, then that means maybe watch it. When we talk Um, about a movie that's less than a month old also, you probably uh, can assume that there's a reason we did it, and it's not because it's so bad we had to rush to our microphones. No, it's just also conveniently on Netflix. But uh, so Conveniently on Netflix (laughs) and unconveniently two hours and 19 minutes. Oh my god, it's so long. Um, That's why I wasn't sure if if we were going to do it, but I was like, maybe we can just like, if we we give ourselves enough warning um, to partial it out, parcel it out. Um, uh, Yeah. Over I mean, time. Uh, yeah, I, it's, uh, I don't know if it was really that long. Um, every, every, everything in my life feels like it's four <laughs> hours long now. <laughs> I don't, I don't except know how to explain it. Except your breaks. Um, no, yeah, you know, you know, when you have like a, like a stomach illness and you're like, um, I really want this to be over, but I know deep down in, in my soul and in my brain, it's not going to be over quick no matter what I do. So I just need to take a breath. And take it one moment at a time, and it's going to be as long as it's going to be. Uh, that that's that's what it's like having a child. Yeah, well, just wait till he walks. Um, so good, good. He can go get his own damn bottle out of the kitchen. He doesn't have to sit there <laughs> screaming at me to bring it to him. Go get it; it's over there. <sighs> yeah. Uh, while you're at it, go get Daddy a drink. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, it, it, anyway, Edward Norton. I enjoyed Edward yeah. Norton because I I do enjoy. Edward Norton, um, he's you know he's still pretty pretty Ed Norton here. Um, he's very Edward Norton. When at he, all times. when he uh, yeah the uh, the the, the crybaby at the end, but also the like um, I it just speaks to Miles Braun's acting skills. Apparently, the little um, squirmy scaredy cat when uh, Batista dies about his, how he's like hiding behind Blanc, sort of like trying to like. Uh, save himself, but he's like using him as a human shield. That part I, I did enjoy. He plays that role very well as, as well. Yeah, yeah. I uh, but it just didn't ring true for trying to strike those parallels that I think that Ryan was going for with this. But you know, much like other forms of parody, you don't need to necessarily hit it dead on the mark. So that's yeah. fine, I guess. I mean, the flaunting the wealth thing is a hard thing to do because you know he makes the joke about the you know it being a uh, uh, Paul McCartney's guitar or whatever. Um, but like the, the real flaunting of the wealth would be like, uh, Mark Zuckerberg dressing like he shops at Walmart, but really it's a $700 t-shirt from some company you've never heard of. It's like, that's, you can't really put that in a movie. No, it doesn't photograph <laughs> the way you might think. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it is, uh, it's still interesting though. Um, the way that they chose to slowly unfold over time that he's actually just so stupid. Um, and yeah. I, I appreciated that because the first time you're watching the movie when he says, uh, what was it? Um, the abrogation e- 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 or whatever, like whatever he says. The oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the misspeaking of the words. You're like, yeah, uh, d- d- yeah, that, that does strike you as weird. You're like, that's not the word. 
that's not how that goes. But you're just like, well, whatever. I guess that's, I mean, I, I dismissed it pretty quickly because you're just like, he's a weirdo or whatever. Yeah. And so I thought they were going to be like, oh, it's an eccentricity. And it's like, no, he just literally doesn't know the word um, is the point of that uh, thing that he's doing. Um, but that that worked well for sort of deflecting it from him. Um, and the moment of him seeing Helen as Andy for the first time when you're watching it again, when mm. he's like stammering for words, it's like, oh, that's makes more sense, I guess, in that yeah, context. It, it is a very like, you know, they hit that moment really hard and it's like, wow, there must be a lot of bad blood and really long time no see kind of thing. Um, but then later you're like, well, it's only been like a month or two since the trial. Or whatever. But like, you know. Uh, you can see like whatever they did with you know lighting wise and everything like you can see it in Ed Norton's eyes like they they really pinged that shit so he was like glossy eyed and like had a real crazy expression on his face you know like, yeah. that's that's almost a bit too over the top but I guess we'll give him drama for the sake of drama because he's also a you know disruptors performative kind of dummy um yeah and he is actually selling the fact that he 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 did it um in that you know, it's very upfront, like the movie points out to us later. It's like, yeah, it's very obvious that he's actually the person who stands to benefit the most from her death. And so he killed her. Um, and that's yeah. why he's also surprised that she's there. Uh, yeah. So but I'm absolutely yeah. like, um, I'm absolutely as dumb as Ryan Johnson thinks I am. Because <laughs> like, um, you know, the whole time I'm thinking like, oh, uh, somebody invited him. Like, I, I believed that, you know, the uh, what uh blanc said he was like you know all these people have a reason to hate you and i'm here because they're using this murder mystery that you've set up as an excuse to actually kill you so i'm like oh well i mean that's a bummer i, I kind of dig ed norton he's kind of fun to be here and he's going to be dead in the first 30 minutes and i was like uh, mm, he's not because uh i'm the dummy because when they do the fl- the flashback prequel thing you're like oh okay everything up until now just got retconned so I should just I should rethink that and let it go, which is it's nice. Like that's what you you want from a movie like this. You don't want to see any of it coming. I I don't think I saw any of it coming. No. And uh, the other major actor in this, um, aside from Daniel Craig, of course, is uh, Janelle Monae. Um, and I've seen her in a couple of things now. Uh, she's fine. I think that she does well as her pretending to be andy i think when she's doing her alabama quote-unquote accent um as helen it is a little tough uh to sit through some of that much in the same way that sometimes when daniel craig is going to like 200 percent on the on the Benoit the Blanc. Foghorn Leghorn scale. <laughs> yeah i mean it's like foghorn leghorn crossed with uh like blanche from the golden girls it's 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 um it, this entirely well, that's, all, that's all in the wardrobe in this one his <laughs> wardrobe is exceptional in this movie yeah well there was a special i watched about that where he apparently had seen a movie with um uh uh Cary grant and like one of the really high-waisted pants um so he has those high-waisted linen pants and stuff in this yeah i could see that yeah, it looks like it, it looks like a comfortable tropical look. I don't know about the neckerchief thing. That's not like <laughs> I, I think I run a little too warm to to rock a neckerchief, but maybe that's kind of the point, right? To absorb some of the uh, the moisture. But yeah, yeah. Um, and I was not expecting uh Hugh Grant as as Philip, uh, his I guess domestic partner, roommate person. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. that was interesting. 
Uh, so maybe we'll see. Apparently, Benoit Blanc is also John Roderick. He just lives in the bathtub. Ugh. I mean, just the thought of being in a bathtub for a long period of time makes me unsettled. Uh, I don't find bath <laughs> bathtubs to be comfortable. I like swimming in a swimming pool, but stewing in a broth of myself is disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I'm inclined to agree with you, but um, I, I I like the idea of a bath, and like if I. Uh, had the time or the inclination i would maybe take one here uh but uh they do gross me out and uh i i will admit something here because against my better judgment because again i'm tired like i used to when i was traveling like in my 20s for work or whatever uh there would there would be times where i would like you take a bath at a hotel and the thought oh, of it no. now is just like <laughs> what on earth were you doing that is the most disgusting <laughs> Like I, I, I tiptoe into the showers at hotels now. Like I don't want to touch anything. And I was like, I sat down in, in a bathtub in, in a hotel. Good Lord, man. Yeah. I mean, just think about how many other people's junk or was on the, on the bathtub uh, that you no, but were sharing. Like, uh, but like fast forward to now, yeah. like we went to, we went on our first trip with the small child and he had a bit of a, a large accident. And uh, you'll never guess where we rinsed out his clothes that were full of baby poop in a bathtub. Like, you know, you you don't know what people are doing in there. It's also why I hesitate to to pat my face dry with any hotel towel, too. It's just like, I know what 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 these towels have been. (laughs) I cleaned up a baby. Oh, God. And then I threw that towel onto the patio for two and a half days. And, uh, you know. Somebody will get that when we leave. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, anyway, be wary of bathtubs is what I'm saying. Like, you don't know mm-hmm. the backstory. You're not going to get a mid-movie uh, prequel about your bathtub when you're at a hotel, so you got to be cautious. I mean, you should count yourself blessed you don't get a mid-movie prequel about your bathtub. No, um, I guess that is the case. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've said it before, but, like, w- one of the, the, the greatest... Uh, benefits to being in gross hotels is the fact that I wear glasses and I have to take them off to shower and I can't really see quite how dirty the shower is that I'm showering in, which Mm -hmm. is like the only way I would ever actually survive in there. If I could actually see properly, I would probably vomit on myself. (laughs) Which is good. I could just clean it right off. They're generally not that bad. Um, I know, but like you see stuff and then you start making up stories in your head and like, what's that? And like, did they actually clean this? And yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, you it always you don't, you don't need that in your head when you're showering. No, it's it always be a relaxing time. It's a little unsettling when you see the the um, uh, like a well, I'm not gonna get too graphic. There are things you can see there that are follicles. Um, that might mm-hmm. be in a bathtub, and you'd be like, "Why is that here still?" Yeah, why were some that women's hair uh, <laughs> stuck on the wall near the sink, um, in in our hotel room that was you know cleaned or whatever? And it's like that's not ours it's still here no no yeah. no no that's not how that works um yeah no i i i ugh. Ugh. yuck um but you know that's neither here nor there uh speaking of hair katherine hahn has hair that she has in a visor in one scene and so that's my transition for that uh katherine hahn is in this movie she's great i like her uh she is starts visor when she's at the pool is that what you mean yeah she's got that that uh sun visor the yellow sun visor when they're meeting on the dock Mm. she's yes. dressed entirely in beige and apparently that yes. was a conscious choice that brian johnson made is that he he didn't want her to wear any color for the entire movie so she's just wearing beige um well you don't want to offend anyone with uh color when you're a politician i guess not but no. uh yeah she plays claire um and she is uh running for the united states senate uh which is is cool 
Uh, we love them. We love the senators. Uh, I feel like she's had a recent, uh, a little bit of a resurgence recently, and I, I, I am all for it. Catherine Hahn is, is is great. Oh, I love Catherine Hahn and everything. Um, and uh, what was it? She was the best part of WandaVision. Um, yeah, and she's been in just a, a bunch of other things. Uh, I just it, what a delight, what a delight, what a treat. Uh, I, I, but she's not because uh, the, the ensemble nature of this. She is not uh, a shining star here. Um, as much as I would say Kate Hudson is, perhaps. Yeah, I mean they're they're she's not meant to be. She's she's meant to not stand out because she doesn't want to ruffle any political feathers. But and of course Kate Hudson is um ruffling. Uh ruffling. She is uh she is not blessed with the gift of um self awareness. No. Well, she she speaks the truth. Um people don't mm-hmm. like the truth. Uh yeah, I don't yeah. know how many times I saw that uh the meme on the internet before mm-hmm. I had seen this movie, the uh the the reply about what 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 does he say? Uh, uh dangerous to uh, uh speak without thinking, um or something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. To can to yeah. Can, uh, to confuse speaking without thought to with uh speaking the truth. There you go. Yeah. You got, uh, it. got it got it in three. Yeah. I mean I've only seen the movie twice. Uh so and lots of lots of memes. Uh but the uh, I like her a lot. And like you said, she, we're supposed to she's supposed to draw our eye because that is her character. Um, and I enjoy seeing her. It's been a while since I've seen Kate Hudson in something. And so I was just like, wow, what a breath of fresh air to see you here. Um, and she, a breath of familiar air from, yes, familiar, familiar. Air. Um, and she is I think the last thing I saw her in was a Fabletics commercial. Oh, ouch. But she's, I mean, you know, character. Yeah. It's, She's but she's she's so good in this. She's got great comedy chops, perfect timing, great scream um that you hear many times. Uh and she has these fantastic outfits, the vanity, she can play dumb very well. Um and uh, I enjoy that. Uh she's she's uh what a what a another treat. Um and then of course Dave Batista, um who is also kind of playing dumb in a way. Uh where he is playing sort of a fusion of joe rogan and alex jones um <laughs> and it is That's a good way to put it because he's got the 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 big buff guy uh ufc thing going on he's also got the boner pills rhino mm-hmm. boner pills yeah and i mean they went the extra mile with like trying to like figure out his tattoos and everything like there's a close-up on his knuckles where you see the uh imperial like emblem like for the empire and then right next to it you see the the superman uh, thing and it's just like the conflicting ideologies of like manhood uh that that represent him um and his rhino boner pills uh and his whole spiel where we first meet him is all about uh uh boobs uh and how he's uh telling jimmy kimmel he's not afraid of boobs um which is just so pitch perfect uh for a certain type of uh charlatan um that you encounter on the internet uh, that and, a, and a type of content where mm-hmm. uh, the urge to respond to something in earnest that was absolutely not uh, earnest. And it's just like you're either dumb or you're smart enough to realize that just putting this out is going to create more views because people are going to wonder if you're really that dumb. Yeah. And Madeline Klein as whiskey knows that because when we have that cutaway later, like halfway through the movie uh, where she uh, had been talking to uh, Helen as Andy um, and reveals that she 
isn't into leaning too hard into the macho stuff be- or not macho stuff, but the like the manly whatever stuff, because she knows that'll make it difficult for her political career down the line. Like that, <laughs> that just like shows you the sort of like layers of um, the duplicity of like, this is like a, a fast way to get fame, but it is ultimately hollow. And even she knows that um, is kind of a funny little joke uh, that's thrown in there. Um, but she, she was fun. I don't think I've seen her in anything. Yeah, that, that was I, gonna be thing. I was going to say, do we, do we know her from something? Because she reminds me of, uh, uh, what's the blonde chick from Yellowstone? You probably don't watch Yellowstone. Um, mm-hmm. she reminded me of her, but, uh, it's obviously not her. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know who she is, but yeah, she was good. Yeah. I mean, she's apparently in Outer Banks, uh, Stranger Things. She had two episodes she was in. The originals, I don't know what that is. Uh, and she was in movies like uh, This is the Night, is. Boy Erased, Savannah Sunrise. Yeah, it sounds like these were made up by ChatGPT. Well, her first whatever. film is 23rd Psalm, colon, Redemption. Um, so, uh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is that like, I don't know, it's like, like a murder movie? Can I, Monster movie? 23rd Psalm? p-s-a-l-m yeah no i'm looking at it right now the, okay the cover the cover of the movie is very concerning okay <laughs> i mean i was gonna guess sort of like a new age you know christian movie kind of thing but yeah. maybe not it from the fact that you said a monster movie was on the thing all right but uh, no i don't know no, no, it's not a monster movie just sound, like it sounds like they're gonna go like hunt down monsters but oh uh-huh. um, when a minister and his family are held hostage in his own home by an escaped convict, he must rely upon his faith to deliver him from harm's way. Well, that sounds pretty well uh, expected. Um, her yeah. hairstyle just looks, or the, whoever this person's on the cover, just, her hairstyle is a little too Mandy Moore for 2011. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, my apologies. Uh, so, <clears throat> but, but rounding out that sort of thing of the the comedy of the uh, macho right wing nut job guy uh, and his girlfriend is of course jackie hoffman as ma um and i love character actress jackie hoffman uh i was so sad when she was gone after that first scene i was like what there's no more jackie hoffman (laughs) but she's a delight um and uh uh, you know great watching her slap uh dave batista um (laughs) don't talk to your mother that way you tell your mother to shut up um and then, of course, we've got uh, uh, Leslie Odom Jr., um, who's very famous, very, very famous, uh, playing a sort of like understated role as Lionel uh, Toussaint, um, the head scientist of Miles' company. Uh, I feel like they went hard on making him seem very serious, but didn't give him enough fun flair for this movie, necessarily. Uh, and I, it, so he kind of just has to have the role of saying expository dialogue uh, on occasion, which is not as memorable and fun as like Janelle mm. Monet or Catherine Hahn or uh, Kate Hudson, which is a little I unfortunate. Guess. Yeah. I liked his green suit, but yeah, that's, yeah. you're right. He, he's serious, pretty serious the whole time. And then uh, when we were talking about uh, Kate Hudson as Birdie J, we didn't mention her assistant, uh, Peg, um, who I don't know Jessica Henwick from anything, but she was very fun uh, as this, you know, put upon um, unsuccessful uh, assistant. Yeah. So I, I enjoy uh, her. 
the uh the little looping video at the top of her IMDb showed uh the the new Matrix movie and uh some form of a Star War. Oh right. She was bugs in Matrix Resurrections. Yes. I don't remember who that is, but she had purple hair or something. Yeah, in a blue. Um remember? She was the sort of Anyway, it doesn't matter. Was she was she, was she the, the 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 other Morpheus, the the alternate Morpheus? No. No, the, the uh, yeah, I don't remember that movie. Yeah, it's, it's not important. Let's oh, forget. the Gray Man. This is that's also that other movie that uh, I, I don't think worked out very well. But uh, there was a lot of marketing around that one. She's in that one. I didn't see it. Um, but uh, and then of course we have uh, the the final character of this ensemble um, that we cannot go without naming, and that is Noah Segan as Daryl. Um, <laughs> he's very good. I I was so delighted by. Uh, but he, you're like he, I'm glad he got. A, I'm glad Ryan got him in here. Just you know, he was he probably had a little bit of time on his hands to hang out, and uh, he used it appropriately. Yeah, I mean, there's some other cameos like uh, longtime um collaborator Joseph Gordon-Levitt uh is is the voice of the dong, the hourly dong. Oh, is he really? Yeah, I did not notice. That. <laughs> Hey, it's good. Yeah, uh, yeah. You got the uh, the the Serena Williams uh, live video wall. The you know the the bathtub call. I believe that's that's Natasha Leone and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar were there. Uh, mm-hmm. Was Sondheim in the yes the video call? Yeah, and Angela Lansbury. This is her, I believe, last role. Mm. Um, which is sad in a way. Uh, but you know she's doing it uh yo-yo ma is in here um yeah the one uh, describing what a fugue is um so it was it was an interesting thing an interesting mm-hmm. ensemble of people ethan hawk shows up just to shoot a blast of crap in your mouth yeah I, at first i didn't recognize him because of the weird ponytail thing and everything going on and i was just like wait that's ethan oh. hawk why is he yeah, doing this <laughs> it's very ethan hawk he's very he's very serious yeah but uh, you know, I. But uh, uh, Noah Segan's Daryl. I didn't realize it was spelled like that. No, um, me neither. It's a good uh, hat tip to um, Ed Norton's uh, hippie undertones. I mean, why is he why is he chilling with Miles Braun? I no idea. I mean, I like the fact that it's not explained. Has nothing yeah. to do with anything. He's just and the, the, there. <laughs> the room that he has in this giant modern mansion is just like he recreated what you would imagine the dad from Frasier's like a high school apartment looked like or something. Uh, I was gonna say it's more like a like a seventy swingers basement or something. <laughs> it is, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's very yeah. It's it's like uh, that seventies show or whatever. Yeah. But like the 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 guy who's a little too old to be in the show, and you're like that guy's kind of creepy. What's he doing here? Well, I mean, they were all a little too old to be in the show at a certain point. Um, and are you, gonna watch the, are you gonna watch the new version? No, 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 no. no. Did you watch the trailer at least? No, no, oh, no. Come no. on, no. Bring, get get some of that nostalgia. I didn't have nostalgia for it. I didn't really like the show. We're millennials. We're all about nostalgia, right? I mean, I get. I mean, everybody's about nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. But uh, speaking of nostalgia, did you have nostalgia for uh, the references to Jared Leto, uh, hard kombucha, <laughs> and uh, Jeremy Renner's uh, hot sauce? I found Jeremy Renner's hot sauce to be quite funny. Uh, Jared Leto's kombucha, I did not think was quite as funny because it probably just because it seemed too real. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremy Renner's hot sauce is probably a little too real too. Um, but given that his 
his his real products were so laughable in real life the like the whole app that he had yes and then you remember the whole like uh amazon landing page where he had the the curated products or whatever yeah like, that stuff was all very funny so the idea of him having his own uh hot sauce is also extra funny it wasn't didn't the hot sauce have a really funny name too i forget yeah it was like a R- renner renify or something or renefaction or something i can't remember what it was but uh see if there's a picture of it yeah here in the photos, but it was it was it was very funny um and although, although it feels a little uh sad right now like since he's not doing so well uh, well that was not timed well uh but yeah we obviously oh you don't, you don't think that was a marketing promotion uh it, to, to go along with the film n- no i don't think that was how that w- was scheduled um that was untimely um but yeah. uh yeah we should have coordinated with the pr team I, I what did you think of the choice to set this in the pandemic uh in sort of the beginning of the pandemic uh it was interesting like um you know it's not it's not a unique thing like many people have said like the 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 scene where they all show up in their their associated masks uh, tells you basically everything you need to know about the characters when you first see them, you know, with uh, um, Birdie showing up with just that like see-through mesh mm-hmm. and then like later complaining like, oh, I can finally breathe after taking this off. It's like, all right, you're, yeah. you're insane. Um, <laughs> that was my favorite. A, it, it's, uh, it, it's helpful that like, I guess, oh, here it is. Uh, just running hot is what, it, what it's Ooh. called. Habanero chili pepper uh, It's got a picture of Jeremy Renner's face with little cartoon smoke coming out of his ears and flames behind him. I love it. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The The pandemic thing didn't really bug me. I mean, uh, I, I guess it sort of adds a little bit of extra backstory to the like the the incentive for these people to get together because they've been secluded for a long time and they're close friends or whatever. Like, I don't know that we needed it, but. It didn't harm anything and added a little extra uh, flavor to the whole thing. Like, I mean, what? I don't know. I liked it. Could, it. It could easily be excised, I think, right? No, I liked it. I thought it, it set up everything well. And like you said, um, and like many other people have said, it sets up the characters well uh, in terms of the introduc- introduction to them. Um, and it also gives us a sense of isolation and a desire to do certain things that might otherwise... Uh, not work out uh so i i I enjoyed how they they chose to use that as as a setting for this and one of the things that bothered me during the pandemic was when you were watching shows that were made during the pandemic uh that were trying to pretend like there was none but it was like a show made during that time period and aired on in that time period and it was like just like america in 2019 right guys and then it was just like no no that's not how that works um but remember when they were talking about um shooting shows with people wearing masks and we would like deep fake mouths back onto them yeah <laughs> that My was God. a thought somebody had <laughs> i don't know if uh, anybody actually did, it, did i wonder if somebody no, did a that test. would be absurd that's why they had those, those just like crazy strict rules for who's allowed to be maskless on set. Like yeah, that's that's why we have Tom Cruise to yell at people. Um, exactly. I, I mean, I I don't know. I, I I was just wondering if they actually went through. If someone was not smart enough to stop the test from happening, if someone was like, "Yeah, we'll definitely do this test." Um, yeah, I I know that there was some stuff about like crowds and things where you, you, people were trying to like figure out ways of like layering and environments so that they could oh, still sure. film if people in the background. People just get those masks that look like you're not wearing a mask, just like a like a mouth on it or whatever. But 
Yeah. Um, but I did think it was very funny where um, Kate Hudson, when they're like, are you having a party? She's like, don't worry, they're all in my pod. It's yes. like there's 70 people in your <laughs> apartment here, but okay, sure. Yeah, I mean, it always gives, you know, it's good to talk about that time period in this way, I feel like, in in sort of a silly way in the in the, the point of view of this this comedy even though it's of course very serious and horrible um i think we all need to have something like this to to observe but uh the uh the stuff they sprayed in the mouth i was just like what the heck is that supposed to be about i mean i know it's a narrative contrivance so that they don't have to actually have the characters wearing masks the entire he's time a, he's a genius tech billionaire he's got the cure for covid yeah well See, that's the thing. It's just like, it was that ivermectin? Like, what What do you think <laughs> that it was? Because he's the, an it's, idiot. It's the secret billionaire, uh, you know, antidote to the disease. And then the Illuminati uh, keeps away from the regular people. And then five days later, uh, after they all got off the island, they were all horribly ill. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Uh, it, it, and uh, another thing is like setting it in Greece on this island. Uh as opposed to, you know, sort of a remote house in New York. Or not New York, uh Massachusetts. It was like a Boston suburb, I think, uh, in the first film. Mm-hmm. Um so what did you think of uh, uh Greece? Um I'm not sure that Greece really played much of a role in it. I mean, could have been any sort of tropical ish island. I don't I don't even know that there was like a oh, it's wintertime, let's go somewhere nice and warm on a fancy island. It was just like crazy guy lives on an island yeah i mean is it, are, these guys have islands like isn't the oracle guy famous for having a giant island or whatever um yeah like uh mark zuckerberg owns a lot of Kauai for some reason um, oh yeah well he's yeah. uh yeah he's the, there's a lot of that's that's bad news because he's you know taking away he's he's stealing land valor or whatever from the the locals well, also, he does that really embarrassing looking, like, uh, whatever that is, where you stand on that, that surfboard. Oh, the, the electric surfboard Yeah. Thing, where his face is painted white with the yeah. sunscreen. Yeah. <sighs> See, they, they should have introduced Edward Norton like that, where he, he goes right up to the dock in that. That would have been good. Or just had, like, had him, like, had Zuckerberg, like, in the background of the ocean, just, like, zooming around the island like that. Like, you know, they, they try to paint Norton as, like, a kind of cool guy or whatever, because he's, he's got a glass dock made by Banksy or whatever that rises up out of the ocean. Um, like, he's he's got, he's using his money for, for flashy purposes in addition to, you know, theoretical uh, altruistic, you know, power uh, plant crap thing that he's doing so he's like he knows how to live with his cash like he's got a uh weird fake porsche ferrari hybrid combo thing that he keeps on a pedestal that flies around the, the earth with him because it's his baby or something which is uh wildly impractical um not what i would do if i were a billionaire but like you know he, he knows how to like spend his money and you know i mean the, the mona lisa is a little bit is like one step too far but it's also kind of funny uh, i will be honest I there are two things I don't like about the movie at all, um, and that is the Mona Lisa and uh, the clear uh, far future crystallized hydrogen um, power source. Does it seem too much like drugs from RoboCop or something? Yeah, well, it's yeah, it is a little like Nuke from RoboCop too. Um, but it, it is. Uh, I was going to reference the Saint, um, where it was about <laughs> nuclear fusion. Um, sure. When you start these things in the stories where you have stuff that is so outlandish and world changing 
um, that it is something that would have a ripple effect far beyond the realm of the film, then it kind of makes the film feel uh, not, not that the film feels real, but it makes the film feel extra fake uh in in, in a you, you don't think like in this weird tech billionaire bubble like this is what uh glimpses of the future might look like you you might be at some weirdo's house or he's got something that they're working on you can actually see what the future looks like i mean it could be but if you're making a film where it it it, it is not a hypothetical it is an is it is a thing um then it kind of is weird, especially when you get into something like historical, like the Mona Lisa. In the world of this movie, the Mona Lisa has been destroyed. In our world, the Mona Lisa has not been destroyed. Well, you don't know that. Maybe it was destroyed, or they're just covering it up because it would cause such a worldwide panic, and the Louvre would lose so much money and tourism. I'm sure that will be a plot point in the following film. But it is, it, it's just one of those things where it's just like, well, you guys went a little too big with this instead of making it feel like something where you know in the first movie it's it's a it's a well-established author and it's like i can believe that there is a well-established author that i've never heard of that is a hundred percent something that i can believe <laughs> yeah um, we don't read books yeah i mean screw nerds. books this is a film <laughs> podcast um uh, I, I mean it, they could have gone with like a like a fake you know like a uh, painter or whatever, like they could have come up with some name, some weird French name that you've never heard of. And you'd be like, Oh, I guess it's a famous painter, but it probably wouldn't have had the same resonance. Like it, it, I think it's on, it's realistic that a, a billionaire would theoretically attempt to do something quite so dumb. Um, and you know, of course it's tied into the plot. I did very much enjoy the, the constant like slamming shut of the, the plexiglass or whatever, like at the various, you know the phones, the arguments, the throwing things, like just the the, the punctuation of uh, lots of different scenes, sort of like ratcheting up a little bit of the uh, the 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 strain you're feeling by by slamming that thing shut behind everyone all the time, even when you're not even seeing it and you just hear it back there. Yeah, that's good editing. Um, now is that sound, sound design. design, sound mixing, sound editing? Which Oscar does that get? All of them, Dan. Uh, um, it it gets all of them. Uh, also, didn't they like put them into the same category now or something so they can make the ceremony go faster? Um, I don't know. I never yeah. really understood the difference between. No, them. well, I mean, and sound work. <laughs> sound design is making the sounds. Sound mixing is mixing the sounds. So. Yeah. You're mixing, like, think about it, like, here's dialogue, and here's Foley. And, like, did you design the Foley? Yes. The, yeah. You've got sound design. I just, I always try to do an analog to, like, the, the picture portion of it. It's like, okay, so sound design is cinematography? No, sound design would be, like, art department or something. Uh, or wardrobe. And then, like, sound mixing, uh, what is that? Is that, is that uh, cinematography? Uh, is that lighting? Is that color correction? I mean, sound editing is picture editing. You're overcomplicating this. There is. It's already overcomplicated. I'm trying no, to uncomplicate it. No, no, there's two different things. You've made a sound, and then mm -hmm. there's the other thing, which is you are recording sound and mixing it together. Yeah, but mixing it and editing it, uh, they're too close together in my brain. No, but I'm sorry. Not, no, but the, it, mixing and editing is one thing. But recording something that you're designing. But the mixing the sound. and the editing are not one thing, they're two things. <sighs> They're two different categories. Maybe not anymore, but they were. Well, they're not now. 
I'm fine. Whatever. Okay. Anyway, so it doesn't matter. I don't know why we're arguing about this. Um, <laughs> because you're wrong. <laughs> I don't know. No, but the uh, I I uh, I enjoyed that. Um, but the whole thing of like you you you'll always be remembered in the same breath as the Mona Lisa because you destroyed it, and it's like well. It's a little, little big. Um, yeah, I think they, they uh, we, we, un- we understood that intuitively. Like they probably had to say it in the movie because the buildup, like you have to pay it off. Um, like it, the the payoff could have just been implied. Like we would have got that, but um, uh, it was, it was, it was pretty heavy handed. Yeah, because like his his immortality that he wanted, which we've talked about like three times in the movie before then, ha- uh. It was always supposed to be associated with the Mona Lisa and how, like, how he always wanted to be like the Mona Lisa. And now it's tied directly to the Mona Lisa's destruction. And there you go. And you're ruined. Yeah, they could have taken one of those mentions yeah. out. Like, I did actually like where he got, like, really, like, self serious for a minute when he was, like, talking about why he had it there. It's like, you know, when he was a little kid, his mom took him to go see the Mona Lisa or something, which is like a, uh, it's good for his backstory. And he's, like, super serious about it. And it's, like, helpful for us to understand him and why he would do this. But it's also extremely stupid. Like, why? Why on earth would any of any of that be like the story that you tell you like, and that's what motivated me to become a billionaire uh, tech genius or whatever? It's like you get looking at, at, at the painting, like I get it, it's a good painting or whatever, but like what? That's also okay. why. Why are you telling this to your longtime friends? Yeah, yeah, they should know this. I mean, yeah. but you know, uh, y- you know, people long enough they're going to tell the same stories more than once. Like that's just a uh, that's how it goes. Yeah. I feel like they heard that story before although they did have in the flashback to the glass onion bar where he talks about the mona lisa and immortality there too so and then uh, everyone going like this guy's weird what's the deal yeah um but then they all fall under his spell his, that svengali magnolias spell um but the, the it was a i don't know it's it's interesting i think for me like i said the fact that we go so big with some of the stuff um, makes it feel a little hokey um, in a way that I didn't feel the same way, even though the first one obviously is like larger than life. It's not like didn't feel realistic. Um, Yeah. I mean, but these characters in this world lend themselves to larger, hokier people. Yeah. But the actions uh, are very large and hokey. Um, I mean, it's it's the world we live in now, man. You you can't go too big with anything because, uh, just that's the way you stand out Mm -hmm. by being a big dumb idiot. Sure is. Although I am, and I dumb. It's genius, right? (laughs) No, it's just dumb. Um, but uh, I I am interested to see what this third film will be like. Uh, because I enjoy ryan's thought process of what he wants to write about um and how he wants to approach it so there might be there's a lot of stuff in here that's references to things that are like very old um agatha christie clue the movie and just the game um lots of other murder mystery stuff uh and even even like threw in a 2010 the year we make contact reference my god it's (laughs) full of stars there's like uh, okay. Um, although did did they pay off the whole thing where he's like, "No, I'm bad at dumb things," you know, talking about whatever the game yeah. she was talking about. Well, that's what they. That's 
how he missed it um, is because it's so dumb. That's why he didn't think that it was Miles, because he was such an idiot um, that no reasonable person would have done what Miles did. But because he's expecting these big, ornate, elaborate, uh, you know, interconnected plots and machinations, he can't see how simple uh, some of Miles' tricks are uh, and his lies. Um, because some of them but are just he, flat he, out lies. He solves the, the murder mystery so quickly and easily and, you know, describes the puzzle box as, like, being filled with children's puzzles or whatever. Well, he didn't actually solve the puzzle box because he only saw the destroyed one. Right. Um, but he solved the dinner murder mystery because it was written by Jillian Flynn. Um, and he says, oh, she's quite good. Um, and uh, it, it is... <laughs> Your impression was quite good. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, sir. Um, but uh, it is... Uh, that is That is why he was able to solve it is because it wasn't dumb. It was just... Not, not terribly clever. It was it was like clever enough that he was entertained. He said it was like, oh, it was like a mini puzzle. You know, it was it, like this is what, you know, people must feel like doing the Sunday crossword or something like he was exhilarated by it. Um, and it, it posed not really so much a challenge as uh, an entertainment for him. Um, yeah. I guess we, it's just a little weird that mm-hmm. like we haven't really seen much uh, of his character flaw of like not. Like I guess that that's what the bathtub scene was there in the beginning, but we don't really have much insight into the things that he's bad at. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he's bad at being bored. Um, he, yeah, the thing the, I took away from the bathtub scene was just like uh, he's losing his mind from the pandemic because he can't go anywhere and do anything. Yeah, which is very true for a lot of people. Um, and I, but the uh, the the whole thing of him not being able to perceive how dumb the situation is is uh partly because of how this is edited too because if we the audience were to watch the movie sort of with the in a chronological way instead of in this non-linear fashion um we might have our hunches about miles before he does um because there are so many things that are withheld to be in the part with Helen. Um, even though we did not, we would not necessarily know it was him because I feel like there's enough red herrings that are thrown around here with people's motivations that you could play it any way you wanted. Um, so yeah. that, that there's that. Uh, and, and I think that's partially what they're getting at here is like, you know, it could be anyone, any of these people would be so treacherous that they would do this complicated stuff. And it's like, oh, no, really, the simplest thing is it's just this guy who did it because that's just, interesting. Yeah. Um, you, you just reminded me of something like what um, we've talked about this before. I can't think of what the movie was, but there was a mystery type movie where they they give you so many. Uh, well, it could be this or it could be that like so many different plausible motives that at like you know, halfway or three quarters of the way through the movie, you go like, you know what? Screw you. Just like, I'm just going to like cross my arms and sit here and wait for you to tell me what it is. Because at the end, I know you're going to pick something that there, it was completely unknowable the entire time because there was some clue that we didn't see. Uh, like, I didn't feel like there was so much in this particular movie 
that uh, my brain started to disconnect and say, you know what, screw you movie. I'll just wait until you give me the answer. My brain was still sort of like trying to put pieces together, even though I realized that like, okay, everyone kind of has a, a, a motive and an opportunity here to, to do, you know, either to kill Miles or to kill Andy later when we learn how to learn about that. Do you, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, th- that was a, I think a conscious point, a conscious um, uh, thing that Ryan was doing because I, I know exactly the thing you're talking about. And that's really from the, the result of too many like twists in the plot as you go, where yeah. y- the writer wants you to think that it's a certain person. And then they reveal something where it couldn't have been that person and it must be someone else. Um, in this, they don't do that because the evidence is sort of thinly spread among all of them at once. They never have any one particular character come out in the lead as the prime suspect um, where in something like law and order or whatever, like your usual, like, you know, who was the person who did this kind of thing thing? Um, they will throw out a red herring of like, Oh, it must've been that guy. Oh no, it was really this person all along. And it's like, yeah, whatever. Um, how did it turn out to be the actual famous character actor that's in the show and not just like the random person you've never heard of before who will know. Um, but the, 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 this situation, uh, the effort to not make any one of them particularly sinister, um, I feel like is helpful. And the way Where they're, they're not sinister, they're potentially backed into a corner, but they're also kind of dumb. Uh, and they just like, they, you can tell they're being manipulated and they would love to get out of it, but also they're not really that clever. Right. And in the, in the film, um, Benoit Blanc describes them as desperate, um, yeah. which is accurate. Uh, they, they are, uh, they are at the whims of miles. Um, and miles has that whole speech about how they're d- the disruptors because they're there to challenge the system and nobody really wants them to break the system. No one wants them to cross that line. The movie shows us that really Miles is disrupting the system to make Miles the system and that Miles doesn't want anyone to disrupt Miles. Um, So that is another thing to consider is just like everyone is against him but for him because he is he is the system by which they derive any kind of benefit. Um, So they don't agree with him in the case of Lionel and Claire when it comes to the rocket and the power plant respectively. Um, they don't, and they're both smart enough to realize that that's awful. Um, and then of course, Andy realizes this is terrible. Um, and that's why she had to be, you know, suppressed out of this. Um, but the, uh, the whole thing with like birdie, like she, she had a thing that miles can't be involved in. So she needs to take, ownership of it and in the thing it turns out is she was running sweatshops in bangladesh because she thought sweatshops were where you made sweatpants um but uh then you have uh the most desperate one of them all uh which is duke uh which is dave batista's character where he is the least successful out of all of them um really uh and he is the one who uh has the most to gain from supporting miles, um, which is why he's willing to, uh, keep mom about some stuff, say some other things, whatever, uh, he needs to do. 
And that's why he takes Miles aside and shows him the thing, the Google alerts, um, that wind up getting him killed. Uh, death by pineapple. Um, and uh, that that is really kind of an interesting wrinkle to the whole thing. Is like, it is a murder mystery that's not about the murder of the guy who was actually supposed to die on this island. Um, it is about... Uh, which desperate person could have possibly done this? And it's none of the desperate people. It is the people that they are desperately supporting. Uh, the person it's they're the, desperately uh, supporting. It's it's the guy uh, oppressing the desperate people mm-hmm. because it always is, isn't it? Yeah, the the their oppressor and benefactor. Um, the he he is the the one who is really at the head of all of it. Um, so that's it's clever in its in its way. I feel like it's satisfying. Um, I didn't feel I, I wasn't like like throwing a table over and being like ah how dare you. Um, it, it it is just the way that they unfold and tell you things. I'm not entirely satisfied by in every scene, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that's not the end of the world. I I wasn't upset at anything. Um, yeah, you know. So it, it delivered on its promise of being an entertaining mystery uh for too long yeah it was fun i agree uh i think the the one thing that it's missing in order to make it more realistic uh is that it should take a cue from the ending of the wolf of wall street um where she's spoiler alert i'm not i'm not gonna spoil it for you okay uh it's a, it's a biography about a real person Uh, but what Um, happens to the don't tell me what happens to the wolf i don't want to know uh i'm just gonna give you one quote um okay uh and she goes like yeah you're ruined because your fuel doesn't work and you destroyed the mona lisa and he should just basically say what the guy said in wolf wall street is like i was worried for a minute but then i realized i'm rich which means i still win like i'm not gonna lose it's not possible for you to like destroy me i'm a billionaire yeah well that's the only thing it was missing the little bit of reality that miles braun if he if he was really a billionaire uh he'd take a hit but uh he's got a private island and and lots of money he'll be fine well what they're saying is he's financially ruined now um because he has destroyed this with his future fuel that he bet the entire company on because he's he bet the entire company uh, that was why andy wanted out uh to stop him is because he was betting the entire company on the fuel of the future Mm. um so i'm sure he'll still be fine (laughs) i mean that would add a little too much reality to this if Mm -hmm. if they actually have him be fine at the end and it's just like oh and he was found not guilty um and uh guilty of what like he said he had insurance on the painting (laughs) like yeah okay the the company is bankrupt it would be like you know what got a new idea company's called beta well the but the in- insurance on the painting thing was, uh, what was it? It was tied to him having that. Oh, the uh, glass. Yeah, don't tell the lawyers he said that I, that I put the button in. Yeah. And so w- when they go through that and they find that the button dropped the partition, which let the two uh, fire pipes that were blowing fire directly <laughs> at the painting. <laughs> well, he probably had HVAC pointed directly at the painting to help keep it cool, but then mm-hmm. you know, the HVAC became full of uh, hydrogen fire. Yeah, it's extremely obvious uh, when you're watching it and extremely, extremely obvious on the second viewing. Um, Listeners, if you go back and watch just that scene of the fire, uh, they have little jets, basically, where they have gas that gets pumped out and then it is lit on fire as if it was just a tube. 
with a fire on the end. Um, and they have those spread around uh, the set, but they have two of them pointed directly at the Mona Lisa at like a 30 degree angle up straight up at it on either left and right side equidistant. Um, so it is a little artificial, <laughs> um, but it is, it is, uh, it is sort of funny uh, that, that he has those. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they did that in a wide shot. Should just hide the fact that you have those, um, but whatever. <laughs> you know, it's, it was fine. It was funny. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, entertaining movie. Um, a lot of silliness to be had. Mm-hmm. What uh, did you think we- of the cinematography? We talked uh, a lot about the cinematography the first go around, but in in this yeah. one, I don't, I don't know if I feel like I got a ton to say. I I occasionally still look in on Twitter, and uh, a friend of the show, Seth Worley, was asking um, Steve Yedlin about his algorithms and such. Uh, and he was talking about the gateweave algorithm that they add as like a post-process and nuke, which is like their equivalent of like a digital uh, film bath kind of thing. And I was like, uh, all right. Uh, and then I watched this movie and I'm like staring at this thing. I'm like, is there gateweave in this? Like, what am I looking at here? It looks fine. Um, like I, I didn't, I, I liked the cinematography. I thought it looked nice. Um, but I, whatever. I don't know. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, I have to agree with you. There's nothing particularly um, fil- film centric about it. Uh, or I mean, it has a look like I don't want to say Yedlin has a look because I know he can do multiple things mm-hmm. and he, he certainly has the ability to tweak. And I'm all for uh, his mission of like telling people who are obsessed with film to, you know, go pound rocks or whatever euphemism you want to use that's um, less flowery. Uh, I, I like I, I like the look he achieves in this movie. I don't know that it's um, new or earth shattering or anything like that. No, I think for me the stuff that drew my eye more was were the the camera moves. Um, yeah, they were uh, clunky is probably not the right word, but um, obvious. They they were you know they, they they punctuated things in an obvious way. Like we're going to notice them as extremely obvious because we're like okay, you're moving it on this very extreme point here um but uh th- this is where i i raise my my david fincher card and go um all of the people moving this camera should be fired because <laughs> that was the the herkiest jerkiest like missed dolly counterpan move i've ever seen and like it achieves your goal in a very quentin tarantino kind of way but it's like guys we have the technology smooth that out don't do that um whatever but like i'm sure there's a million reasons why it is the way it is they they wanted it to be that way probably but like yeah they could have drawn less attention to themselves uh by making it a smoother move or making it a little less dramatic in places they didn't overuse them like you know the when you see it you're like oh well, yeah, i i see your extreme close-up insert or whatever you know whatever you want to call it like they, their punctuation on the shot is very obvious with the camera moves um but it, it, at least they didn't do it a dozen times as well, like four of them. Yeah. Well, what I, what I think really I appreciate is the blocking. Um, Mm. They had good blocking on the camera moves where uh, like, for example, when Benoit Blanc is standing over Helen and he looks up when the lights come back on and he starts on one side and his, his view moves Mm. around and we move around with him to reveal all the other characters arriving um, and looking down at the dead body. Um, 
like that's that's good. Uh, and there was a uh, was it Vanity Fair notes on a scene um, that Ryan Johnson did about the opening, uh, not the opening, but the when they meet on the dock in Greece, um, and about how he chose to uh, block that for where the uh, sight lines are for looking at Kate Hudson, and then like how they move the camera. So then you're looking where when they cut to Daniel Craig, you'll be seeing like him you're you're the audience looking through daniel craig's eyes at these uh because in the first movie anadarmus was our audience surrogate but in this one in a way daniel craig is our audience surrogate uh for the first half of the film um so i i I can respect his thought process i i I just wish that there was just 50 percent fewer crane shots um in here because it's just a lot of cranes um and it's just it's a bit much, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, there's just, there's, uh, God, I'm just, I'm just showing how just in the bag I am for these guys. But there's, there's the old thing that, um, I mean, uh, Joseph Kahn harps on it the most, but it's a Fincher thing. Just the, the, the objectivity of the camera versus, you know, these very subjective moves that stand out on their own. There's, there's a point to the objectivity of it is that you're staying out of the way of the story. And there were places here where, uh, it switched between those in a, in an extremely obvious way. And you have to do it in a very subtle way or else it just feels kind of like, what, what am I looking at now? But like, yeah, you know, the doc scene was great. Um, yeah, it was mostly the, What's the move I'm even thinking of? It was like when they're drinking in the uh, the '70s conversation pit or whatever, where there's like a there's like a dolly and then like a quick pan that like lands on something. I don't know if it was like a drink or the bar or something, but it was just like, good lord, you couldn't get another take of that one. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and there's also some of it that feels a little too orchestrated too when the lights go out. Uh, and <laughs> there is a there's a video of like the 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 rig that Steve Yedlin put together with the the guys to <laughs> yeah I saw the thing about the rig and then the scene happened and, and I blinked and it was over and I was like what the hell it's gone already yeah I, I mean it's it just felt very contrived very like German expressionist um in a way because which the... is fine if you want to do it but like mm-hmm. uh, it, it was it was there and then it was gone so fast it was just like oh all right so spun some lights around with a little bit of a delay between them. Yeah. And I think that it was an opportunity to use handheld um, in the disarray as opposed to continuing to use crane shots uh, (laughs) where you're clearly timing your crane moves to match to the rotating drum that is around your fake lighthouse light. Uh, That was just it's just a little too clean um, for that. Uh, And I know that Ryan Johnson and Steve Yellen had said like, Oh, we want to do some stuff, but nothing that would like really draw your eye. Um, and it's like, eh, eh, you drew my eye. My eye was drawn, sir. <laughs> um, so yeah. Drawn like one of your French girls. Uh, yeah. Um, no, but, uh, like I said, we are, we are just, uh, commenting on a movie we both liked. So yeah, it's a good it, movie. It is not, it is not something please do. Please. Please, for the love of God, uh, never let Steve Yedlin or Ryan Johnson ever hear this. Um, never. For the love of God, do not at us. If no. you do, I will hunt you down. No, please don't. That's not cool. Because um, we we are we are we are speaking the truth, um, which is <laughs> <laughs> we're 
We're speaking the truth of power. Yeah. Uh, so, um, remind me again. Um, all of the 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 glass onion stuff was blue screen, not translate, right? Right. Yeah. Because they what was it they built it in London and then they moved it to Belgrade, um, and they just had it blue screen. Did the did the, did the tax incentives moves? What did they do that for? I'm assuming it was tax incentives. Um. Uh, okay, so for the record, people who listen to this show and expect it, um, <laughs> it was it was pretty good, but we we see the blue screen. Yeah, I know. Well, I I was watching a, a movie uh, the other day because um, I somehow found the time in my life to watch two films um, <laughs> in between our last recording and this one, which is just mind blowing. Yeah. Um, but uh, I watched uh the menu and they also made a similar decision to go with blue screen and they also had less than amazing results shall i say i don't want Mm. to disparage too strongly because again you know a lot of this is i don't necessarily fault the people working on this i don't know what the plates themselves looked like i don't know what the timelines were uh for getting the work done Blah, 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 blah. Don't care, don't care, don't care. <laughs> I mean, the frame that I just sent you, uh, mm-hmm. the, you know why it looks wrong is because the outside is, it, it should still, it should, the whole thing should well, be blown out. Light, yeah, the, the lighting on him should be uh, way flatter and harder, but then, yeah, the, everything behind him should be way fucking blown out. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. And, and yeah. this is a big mistake that a lot of people make with blue screen and green screen and, every screen um is you have to think about what the intensity is of the background um behind the actor um i've seen people like blast their blue screens with light um because they think that it'll give a cleaner key uh but then you go to key it and you've eaten into all of the edges um because the background is so bright and your characters are basically in silhouette uh <sighs> and I- I've, I've seen taken to giving, giving people a range. I'm like 50 to 70%. They're like, oh, interesting. Okay, great. Like, I, I give them the illusion that they're picking. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I, I just don't understand it. Because you get the other thing where it's just like, this is like the darkest blue screen you've ever seen in your life. It's basically like, we might as well Luma key the shot. Um, we had but, one Kino flow and we pointed it at the blue screen. <laughs> Sorry, we ran out of lights. Great. It, it's just like, uh you guys come on the blue cloth is not magic ladies and gentlemen no but anyway uh like i said in either the glass onion or in the menu it it did not prevent me from enjoying the movie it just did you enjoy the menu i did um i i gave it four stars um so i i rated it half of a star more than i rated glass onion wow but uh i am not trying to say that to overhype it in any way because i i feel like most other people would probably review Too late. It. it's overhyped now okay can't, be, can't put the can't put that glass onion back on the menu or whatever <laughs> can't, can't put that hype back in that glass onion um no. but the the uh my my brief review is that i think it's worth watching for, for most people i feel like it's how i like american psycho which is a dark comedy um mm. where people are murdered and, and bad things happen and it's just like well in this it's just like i don't think people would enjoy it as much because it's not uh it's not it's not a funny comedy mm. <laughs> but it is on a way it, it is a, in its own way a funny comedy but only like 
I guess if you have my brain, um, and not necessarily like for everyone. Um, well, yeah. I guess if I watch it, am I going to get it more than I get American Psycho? <sighs> no, because you don't really get the whole restaurant thing. So I don't think that you would. The whole restaurant. I don't understand restaurants. I eat food. I mean, but do you eat like food food? <laughs> Just because I don't live in New York or Los Angeles doesn't mean I don't eat food food. Mm-hmm. As long yeah. as I'm, look, I don't know the French names for everything. Yes. Whatever. You're Pompe Rouge or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's mainly like, a, have you seen a chef's table? Uh, No, but I know what it is. Okay. You know where it is? I know what it is. Okay. They said where. Anyway, uh, yeah, Chef's Table on Netflix is the fairly famous documentary series by David Gelb um, and other filmmakers. Uh, we're they got do- documentarians, I guess, where they go around and they uh, do a very dramatic thing about each and every single restaurant. Um, and I think David Gelb also did a like Jiro Dreams of Sushi and stuff like that, where it's just like there is a lot of importance placed on um uh fine dining or dining at a certain caliber or level um and to have a sort of frame of reference of that i think helps when you're watching the menu um so you have a sort of context of things whereas mm. i feel so you get like the subtle joke when they they use the wrong fork for the different entrees <laughs> anyway uh <laughs> if you're down for it i will totally watch that with you it is on hbo max um we can we can do that for an episode uh it is also on an island we can make an island theme um for our next few episodes if you wish it seems like a summer kind of thing but maybe yeah islands of winter i mean it is going to be 70 degrees here tomorrow i think so yeah sure island time all right so on that note um i think we're done with this venture uh with the glass onion i'm proud to say that i didn't hate it uh because <laughs> it's a big step for you i well i mean like i said for the first time when i watched knives out uh and i found that to be a little more revelatory than this one um but i was glad just to have a ryan johnson movie i didn't hate um and uh <laughs> I, 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 your bar I, just keeps getting lower and lower i i mean it <laughs> I just I I because oh, I guess previously was what Looper and you were Looper and nonplus no Looper and the Last Jedi um mm. and I I didn't I, and I know everybody's like ah it's the best Star Wars movie they ever made and then there's the yeah. other camp where it's like it's the worst Star Wars movie blah 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 Joe is an eight chan troll who hates Star Wars yeah that's exactly it that's that's who I've allied myself with um <laughs> no I I mean I just didn't like it and I, I'm sorry if it's your favorite Star Wars movie and you think it's the only one with like real character or whatever like I don't care and like oh like oh the past and blah 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 you can do all that stuff you can believe all those things you can do your thing. I just didn't care for that movie at all. Um, but whatever. I spent the whole movie thinking about, like, why are they doing a slow speed chase? This is so dumb. Um, but yeah, but the, whatever. you know, the little light speed thing was really cool. <sighs> you know, that was cool. The throne room fight was cool. Yeah. I'm, it's just, I didn't like the movie. So, sorry. Sorry to this man. I mean, I don't. I think he he'll he'll dab his eyes with his money on his private island at your comments. Well, I mean, I think he's received worse feedback <laughs> than me saying that. Uh, yeah, listening to him on those podcasts <laughs> is kind of interesting too because Star Wars did come up once or twice, and he he's 
He seems very at peace with the whole thing now. Yeah, I mean, well, that's good for him. I, I mean, I don't wish him, like, any ill will or anything like that. No, he seems like a great guy. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, whatever. It didn't work for me, but it's not the end of the world, and Looper didn't work for me. But you know what? It's not the end of the world. Knives Out, loved it. Glass Onion, enjoyable. So, you know, these are the these are the things. And if he makes his next one, and it's either enjoyable or loved it, then that's great, too. Keep Keep doing your thing, Ryan. We do not want Ryan Johnson to be sad and cry and to stop making movies. I am curious uh, what his Natasha Leone mystery series is going to be like. The Columbo series. Yeah. yeah. I am also curious, but I, I, I am not paying for Peacock oh, to watch no. it. See, that's, that's the other thing. Um, as much as people uh, have commented about what a travesty it is that this is that Glass Onion is on Netflix, um, if Glass Onion had been on Peacock, then like... Mm. <laughs> it's sorry weird. yeah it's weird that he couldn't get that one on netflix too like he's doing he's doing deals here yeah i mean and natasha leone has a very successful show on netflix um but uh oh, yeah i like that show i, I haven't i still haven't watched it everybody loves oh, you should it. watch it it's very good okay well, season one's very good season two is also good but it, it gets weird real weird it's weir- weirder than season one. Oh yeah real real real, real weird <laughs> okay uh and so on- when you watch season one you're like how would you do it another season of this and then they do it and you're like okay sure it's weirder did they have another one after that uh not yet but i think they're gonna wow they should Mm. i mean it took like four years between seasons because of pandemic and stuff well interesting (sighs) and on uh that note thank you good night stuff yeah i mean how do you sign off like a tech billionaire you just like you put your you put your fingertips together and you do a, a, a subtle bow, and then you click the the slide uh, to go to the thank you slide. Disruptors disassemble, <laughs> and then they all turn into robot cars and drive away. <laughs> you think it would just fall apart, um, but whatever. Hmm. Because of the disruption. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the disassembling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no disassembly required. Mm-hmm.